Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm delighted. I've been la-di-da-din. Not a lot of thoughts when I ponder from the top. Man, these boys, they be potting. I trust them like a lot. And they told me that I get it. Guess what? I got it. You should do it too. You will never lose. If you ever do, must have been a ruse. Ricky, that's my dude. Stoops are super cool. Sharks up in the pool. I've been sparking up my tools. I've been looking to win. Spend a little again. I've been first fiddled it in. My God, I riddled again. I told them stop clowning around. They said what goes up comes down. I said I'm down with the sickness. My team stay ill now. Come get this. I'm just so David in life. I stay ready tonight. Deep dive, we rise. That's the medley, alright. De- David delight. De- David delight. Da 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 David delight. Hey. Welcome to another edition of the David Delight, brought to you by ExpandTheBoxScore.com. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, we're going to start doing some player profiles. Basically, what we're going to do is each and every week, we're going to dive into a conference, and we're going to dive into that specific position. This week, we're going to tackle, and then this week and the next four weeks, we're going to be tackling the Pac-12 as a collective whole, leading it off with the quarterback position. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Stoops. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Just, uh, you know, hanging out at the apartment, not really uh, doing much outside of that with everything that's been going on, but I'm um, definitely excited to dive in. I know our pro- player profiles that we did at the end of last uh, last season um, were, went, really, went really, really well for us. I think people enjoyed those. We were able to, you know, break it down on specific players as opposed to just kind of a collective whole. So definitely excited to get this going with the, the positional players. I am as well, and folks, I want to remind you as well that Stoops and I, we are going to cover, whether he's a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, it doesn't matter. We're covering the quarterback position as a collective whole, and we're covering the conference as a collective whole. So I'm excited about that as well because we're looking at some guys that we could potentially be talking about for another two or three years per se. And um, I know there's one guy in particular that we will be doing that for the next couple years. But Stoops, was there... You know, when you were sitting down thinking about picking your guy, did did you have any plan or did you just kind of go into it free willy? Uh, I kind of just went into it free willy. So, I mean, I just kind of sat down and, and essentially looked at the conference as a whole and said, all right, who, who's still around? Who's gone? So I know I'm not going to talk about them. So I didn't have that one person in mind, right? Like there's some certain conferences out there that we pretty much know, like, I want this guy, right? You know, and this conference was one where I just kind of sat down a little bit a little bit more and looked at it as a whole and, and then kind of made my decision at that point. So it, it wasn't a right off the bat. I said, I'm talking about this guy. I had to kind of sit down. And I also wanted to go a route where, you know, there's a couple starters in the conference that we've seen for a year, two, three years already, you know, at a full full time level. Um, and people know who they are. So it's one of those where I, I kind of want to take a step back and maybe not go that in depth with it. Um 
to to bring in a different guy. So no, it was not a very straightforward, easy, you know, type of I'm talking about this guy. I had to sit back and definitely look a little deeper. Yeah, and that's the thing for me as well. We kind of talked about that. We kind of talked about the idea of talking about the guys that nobody else really talks about or the guys that, you know, very few guys talk about. Like, you know, for the picks for me this week, you know, I'll just go ahead and say, I mean, I picked Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State. A guy before this week, I, I knew very little about. I've seen a little bit of gameplay and stuff like that. But I wanted to kind of, and I mean, also at the Pac-12, there's a lot of guys that aren't, um, you know, well-known, or there's a lot of new, fresh faces, you know what I mean? There's a lot of different guys within the, the conference of, uh, you know, whether they, la- you know, obviously with like a Herbert gone and stuff like that, you know, and then of course, Costello's gone, you know, there's a lot of fresh faces here that we could talk about. And that's what I really, that was my biggest goal of talking about these guys is finding new guys to talk about. So it gives us new eyes on new guys that we could be watching for the next couple of years. Yeah. And the thing is like with the Pac-12, they usually play, for example, me being here in Texas, like their games don't even start until what 9 30 10 o'clock at night sometimes so it's kind of just like do I really want to stay up and watch that game and sometimes I do sometimes I don't but um and I know I'm not the only one that does that so it's just depending on where you live in the United States or, or around the world essentially time frames don't really match up to where you're going to essentially stay up and watch these Pac-12 teams so that's another reason that I feel like a lot of these guys just aren't talked about not even just quarterbacks just positions in general they're not talked about as much because a lot of people don't stay up later and watch them. So I think that's a that's another reason that I'm glad we kind of started off with the Pac-12 to to maybe give them a little bit more more publicity, you know, than than what they may get otherwise. All right, Stoops, kick us off with the quarterback that you picked this week out of the Pac-12. Yeah, so the guy that I picked was uh, Davis Mills out of Stanford. Um, last season was just kind of a, a weird. Weird thing in Stanford. Um, I know that they they dealt with some injuries at the quarterback position. KJ Costello was out with I think it was like a thumb injury for a while. So Davis Mills would come in, but then I think it was Jack West who kind of came in for a little bit. They just there was no true full time starter, right? Davis Mills played the most amount of games. He played eight games last year, but he um, he played weeks one, two, three, five, and six, and then didn't play again until week twelve. So. It was just kind of one of those where he came in, did what he needed to do, um, and then KJ Costello would come back, and then West, and it was just a rotating carousel. It was almost like how we talked about with TCU, right? They couldn't really figure out the quarterback situation. Same thing happened at Stanford. It was just more so because of injuries. But nonetheless, Davis Mills is the guy that I'm going to talk about. Coming out of high school, he was a five-star prospect. He was the 15th-ranked player in the class, and he was the number one pro-style quarterback. So he was definitely a highly touted quarterback coming out of high school. Big, big expectations, um, you know, from him. So definitely excited to see what's going to happen in in his uh, now coming up senior season. But when you look back to his junior season, he had a 65.4 completion percentage. He only threw for 1,943 yards again. That was in eight games. So didn't really have a whole lot of time to – to build that chemistry with the receivers on a consistent level, 11 passing touchdowns and five interceptions. So definitely want to see the passing touchdowns go up this season. Now that he is essentially, it's pretty much a clear cut path for him, right? There, there's, there's not much competition. We talked about it. Costello's gone. He's, um, you know, in a whole different conference now, so he's not even going to be remotely in any competition. Um, Mills is the guy in Stanford. He's got to be the starter coming into this season. So definitely going to be excited to see if he's able to improve those passing touchdown numbers. Five interceptions, you know, it's it's a solid number. But again, given the amount of attempts that he had, um, it's a little bit higher than what we want. He had 240 passing attempts, but to, to still have five interceptions, um, 
unlimited playing time. We want to see that get cleaned up a little bit more. Um, he did account for 83 first downs, so I feel like that's a pretty solid number given the limited amount of time he was on the field. One thing that I actually found very interesting, and the Super Bowl, right, how they called it, well, the Philly special. Well, Stanford essentially ran that same play, and then that his junior season, he did have one reception for an eight-yard touchdown, and it was actually a pretty phenomenal catch. He had to go up between two guys and uh, make the catch and come down with it in the end zone, so um he's an athlete he can make it happen um pretty good size 6'4 214 so um definitely got some good hype to him he'll probably put on a couple more you know, as the the year goes on and especially going into any type of an off season after um after his senior season assuming he he does declare at the end of the season but we'll see what happens there so when you break it down a little bit more in the his uh his red zone production um his career red zone production to back sophomore season he only had two pass attempts um no completions and then um, his freshman season he actually didn't play at all so essentially all of his career stats are coming from his junior year but when you look at the red zone production he went nine of 17 inside the red zone 52.9 completion percent for 91 passing yards um five touchdowns and he did throw an interception in the red zone so that's definitely something we want to clean up i know a guy that we're going to talk about later on was phenomenal in the red zone you want to see that from your top level quarterbacks right you want to see the red zone production be there and, and it be done on a high, high level. So um, definitely want to see him clean that up. I know it was only one, but sometimes that one can lead a, you know, lead the other team down the field and they win the game. So um, definitely want to see that. So one thing I really did like after watching some film, and I told you off the air, Pac-12, man, it's it's a little more challenging to find some game film um, on YouTube and, and just some other avenues that you may want to look into. But Pac-12 seems to be a little bit more challenging, but I was able to find a couple different games. So I did watch some stuff there. Um, I feel like he's got really, really good arm strength. He's able to zip the ball in there and get it to the receivers um, when they need it. And he throws it his receivers can catch. That's the biggest thing, right? Where they don't just throw it to where the receiver could be. He throws it where his receivers can catch it, and essentially that's it. So I love seeing that. His ball placement was phenomenal. Um, he did have some arid throws here and there. But overall, his ball placement I felt was very, very solid. And I think with a full off season, um, well, we call it a full off season, right? We're kind of in that situation now where he may not even be able to throw the ball to anybody given the the state of the the world right now. But um, he's able to at least work on you know video and and and, and some some aspects of the game. But having that that routine built with his receivers, I think is going to definitely speak volumes for what he's able to do. Um, one of the cons, though, that I did see while watching, his footwork is very choppy in the pocket, right? He almost seems like he doesn't settle down quick enough, and he's still trying to, to make his moves when he's ready to throw the ball. So I think if he can get his footwork down, it's going to definitely improve everything um, top to bottom. So um, he's a guy that I'm very excited to see what happens. I mean, he was, he, like I said, he was a five-star prospect. So there's there's some expectations that really come with being a five-star prospect. You, you definitely have proven you have the ability. We just got to see it on the next level. And I think last year he did show glimpses of it. Um, so this is going to be a big year for him, right? If he wants to continue on to the next level, which you know all these guys do, I think he's got to really step up and, and improve, obviously, the passing yards, the passing touchdowns, keep his interceptions low. Um, he can run the ball. He, he's definitely not a, a run-first quarterback, but he is capable of doing that. He had 44 passing yards, I'm sorry, 44 rushing yards um, last season, which is by no means anything to write home about, right? That's that's nothing over the top, but he's able to do it when needed. So I, I think something like that's going to be, be a, a key aspect to his game. So definitely somebody you should be keeping an eye on, Davis Mills. 
Yeah, so like I said at the top of the show, uh, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State is the guy that I'm going to talk about. Um, a guy I, I literally knew very little about going into doing my prep work for the show. And as I got to know him a little bit more, he's a guy that's definitely worth keeping an eye on. He's a dual threat, 6'3", 180, um, four-star prospect. He runs a 4'6", 840, which is pretty fast for a quarterback, obviously. There's a lot of good and a lot of bad, and I agree with Stoops. It's so hard to find you know, the footage to watch on these guys. So a lot of the times you get the cut-up tapes, which, you know, I think I can make myself look good on a cut-up tape. I don't know about that, but, you know, it sounds good. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you what, the kid's got a cannon. He's uh, He's got poise in the pocket to stay in the pocket. He's willing to take the take an, take a hit um, as he's throwing the ball. Um, he's got the run-pass play uh, run pass option is beautiful. He just, he has it down to a T. It's, it's eerily very good of how he's able to tuck that ball away and keep it and make plays on his feet. He's super fast. He's very good at reading the defenses. He's got a quick release. And then of course, he's got a nice touch on his passes. He had a very beautiful game against Oregon last year, eighth ranked Oregon at the time. Um, he was 22 of 32, 408 yards and three touchdowns. It was hands down easily the best pure passing game of his career, and he kind of dissected them on a level which I don't even think they expected him to dissect them. And if you dive more into the stats, for every one of these games, you've got a game like him at a, like against Utah last year. Against Utah, he was 4 of 18 for 25 yards and in an interception. Now, the plus side is he doesn't turn over the ball a whole lot. Um, he only had two interceptions on in the entire year, um, which is obviously a stat that you want to pay attention to on 342 attempts. And for, to be honest with you, for a lot of the bad, for a lot of the good that you see with Jaden Daniels, he has so much to work on. His consistency, his accuracy can be very frustrating at times because he's very errant and all over the place. But it's for one of those guys that I think if you watch his tape, there's a lot of things that he can work on. And it's very teachable things. You know, his footwork in the pocket's pretty solid. But, you know, he can get panicky under pressure. But that's a lot of the quarterbacks. I mean, even the guys like Tom Brady panic under pressure. Um, he needs to bulk up a little bit at 180 at the quarterback position. Is just not going to cut it on, on, on Sundays. He will get hit, and then his career could potentially be over per se. Um I like what I see. He's When he's on, he's on. There's, no, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that you see... Um, who are either on and off like he is, but when he's on, there's not a lot of better quarterbacks in college. He's a massive, he's got a massive upside right now with his dual threat capability. Um, if he could start putting these games together piece by piece by piece, we're going to start witnessing a, you know, a change in the quarterback position because I think he's got potential. I think the potential is there to be a quarterback on Sunday, but the consistency is a key. This is his first year as a quarterback. So, you know, you give a lot of these guys in their first year. And and that's the thing leading up to a guy we'll talk about in just a little bit. The crazy thing about it is, is some of these guys are, are freshmen, you know, sophomore, first year starting quarterbacks. And you're like, well, yeah, you know, you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt of being like, look, this is his first season, first year as a starter. He is a freshman um, you know, so this, he's got at least two more years of, of, you know, getting better and, and making better decisions so that you're kind of watching him progress as a player, um, on the next level, up to the next level. And, and he's one of those guys that I think has that potential to do so. But, you know, 
for having only two turnovers the entire season, it was rather nice to see. So obviously in the, um, he's a, like I said, he's a dual threat. You know, he had 360 yards on the ground last year, rushing three touchdowns. All three of those came in the red zone. Um, he's not super efficient in the red zone. Uh, he did have a 47, uh, 48% completion percentage in the red zone, which again, Stoops and I have talked about this. I would rather him, um, I would rather him do kind of like what we talked about. Like, you know, I'd rather him have a 48% and have instead of that, and then have seven interceptions in the red zone. He had zero interceptions in the red zone. He only had four touchdowns in the red zone passing though. Three of them were running. I think that, in my opinion, when I was watching him in the red zone, I think that if he would be stop being so hesitant in the red zone of running the ball, just run, you know, he's got the speed to take off. So that's what I'm saying. Take off whenever you have the opportunity to take off is basically what I'm saying here. And I think that if he learns these little things that he's going to grow, not just this year, but next year, I think he's, there's a lot of good young quarterbacks in the Pac-12 between Mills and Daniels and then, of course, Slavis as well that we're we're potentially setting up setting ourselves up to see some amazing talent over the next couple years all right folks so stoops put out a poll earlier in the week um to figure out which other quarterback that we were going to talk about um and the reason i don't think that i picked this kid was because it's still a question mark of whether he's going to be the starting quarterback or not but to be honest with you, I don't see how he's not going to be. Um, JT Daniels is obviously a guy that's still in the conversation. But Keaton Slavis out of USC, 6'2", 200 pounds. The crazy thing about it is, and Stoops, before we kind of dive into him, I wanted to touch on this. After watching his tape, after that, he's a three-star quarterback. He was the 705th ranked player. I'm like, what did somebody miss? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just and, and no, nah, with you, I'm with you. <laughs> Side note: Whenever we were talking off the air, right, you you were saying I was watching film on him all day. This guy is phenomenal, yada yada yada. And I have my, you know, Sam Howell, right? I, obviously, different conference, but it's just like no, like Sam's the guy. And then, uh, yeah, I sent you that text, and I was like, holy crap, like this guy. But it is he to me, he plays bigger than six two, right? Which is sure. which is kind of a crazy thing to say. Um, so for him to be 6'2", you know, you like to see your quarterbacks a little bit taller. But but yeah, to your point, when you watch that film, it's like, what what did they miss? And some guys just matured later, right? You know, some just kind of figure it out and you go to a big time program. They're going to figure it out. So coaching staffs can can really have a, a, an effect on that. And obviously the receivers that he had, um, not too shabby. Yeah, exa- well, for sure, 100%. And the thing about it is, is what kind of started it, and you're right, like, um, we were doing Debbie rankings for um, fan tracks for over John Lab at the f- football diehards. And I turned my in and I showed him to Stoops and I have, yeah. spoiler alert, I have Slavis as my number two ranked Debbie quarterback. And he thought I was nuts for it. And I mean, I probably am, but I still kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. I understand it a little bit better now, but um, I still kind of do. I just, I, and that's the thing. And, and I'll, and I'll touch on a little bit of Slavis right off the bat. When I watch Slavis, it reminds me of when I started watching Joe Burrow at the beginning of this past season. Okay, when he is in the pocket, he has poise. He's got that that instinct of the pocket is collapsing that can't be taught to quarterbacks. I'm sorry, this is one of the intangibles about the quarterback position that you either have it or you don't. Either you understand that the pocket's collapsing and you can get out and make a play, 
and or you're just going to take a sack. And there's a lot of guys that take the sack. And for me, as you consistently watch this guy on tape, he makes plays that just should not be should not have been completions. They shouldn't have been completions. He should have been sacked. And that's exactly what we saw all last year of Joe Burrow. So for me, it was just his he's smooth in the pocket. That's the word I was looking for. He's smooth in the pocket. He's he's a little elusive. And the crazy thing about it is he's not super he's not fast, fast. He's got speed. But again, it's one of those things that do you link into a quarterback like Burrow. He's he's got that sneaky speed where he can get you a first down, but he's not gonna burn you like a um like a Jaden Daniels will per se. So it's it's insane. And one of the most impressive things that I've I've seen of watching the tape on on Slavis was his ball placement is some of the best ball placement I have I've seen in a long time. The capability, and we were just talking about this off the air, Stoops, and, and I'll let you touch on here is is there was passes that you're right. It's either going to be an incomplete pass or it's going to be a catch. The one thing you knew it wasn't going to be was an interception. He put it in the position. He put it in the in the placement that the receiver could make a play, and that was it. There was a, several throws on the sideline in the end zone where you just saw him throw the ball. The receiver hasn't even made the cut out of his route. The receiver turns around. The ball's in his hands. Touchdown. And that's some of the things that I watched and and I appreciated about watching him. And the thing that the switch between him and, and Daniels is for me is Daniels is a freshman. Daniels looked good at times. And I'm not going to deny that. Slavis is a freshman and looked 10 times better than what I saw of Daniels. And it's like you use the old adage of, like I said earlier, he does make the rookie mistakes. He made a, several games where he made some rookie mistakes. But... There's so much good to see of Slavis, and we've got more to talk about here, but there's so much of Slavis that you do like. Stoops, what were your thoughts on that ball placement and, and several other things about Slavis? It, it was I – literally, I literally have ball placement, dot, 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 capital letters, wow, right? <laughs> it was just like, like, like you just said and like we talked off air, it was either going to be an incomplete pass or his receiver was going to catch it. I mean, like I told you, he had that one to, to Vaughn's where he threw it to the sideline – and Vaughn's made a phenomenal catch. Uh, definitely props to, to Tom's on that catch, but it was either incomplete or Vaughn's was going to catch it. The defender was not touching that, no question about it. So he had so many throws like that where his biggest thing was you could tell he trusted his receivers. He knew their abilities and he knew what they could do, and he just had to put the ball where it needed to go. So the fact that he had that trust, it just it just speaks volumes for, for their chemistry. Um and like you said, the job technically isn't his yet, right? JT Daniels is going to be coming back from that injury. He's going to definitely give him some competition. But I just don't see Daniels taking over that 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 job, right? With with what Keaton Slavis did this last season, I think the job is his to lose. Um, that's essentially where I'm at with it. And it's one of those where I don't remember the exact quote, but Tom Brady had came out and basically said like, because he was what a, a sixth, seventh round draft pick, like he was super, super late into it, and it's not even so much about where you got picked or where you were ranked or whatever. How do you, how do you come in and and take the opportunity that's given to you, right? Because I think it's what Drew Bledsoe got injured or something happened, came in, and the rest is history. Not saying that this is what's going to happen in this situation with Keaton here, but it, it's that same concept, right? He wasn't the starter, he wasn't the guy. 
he had his opportunity and he just took it and did not look back. So it's that type of concept where just that mentality to come in and say, this is my time, right? This is, this is where I, it's my time to shine. And he, he just took it and ran with it. So that ball placement, just everything about it. I mean, oh my goodness. Um, I'm just going to touch base on, I told you off the air, the, the red zone, man. I mean, he was 65.5 completion percent, 329 yards in the red zone, 19 passing <laughs> touchdowns with no interceptions. <laughs> that's the type of stuff that that I want to see from a quarterback. Like I was saying earlier with Mills, he only, he had the one interception again. Yeah. It's just one, you know, we can get over that, but it's, I mean, 19 passing touchdowns, <laughs> no interceptions in the red zone. Like that's unbelievable. And he, and he had a 66% completion percentage in the red zone. Yes. You know what I mean? That to me is insane. His completion percentage in the, Actually, all over the field is insane. But in the red zone, a lot of the times, like we just talked about Daniels and how Daniels had a 48% completion percentage in the red zone. A lot of the times, quarterbacks will have a lower a completion percentage in the red zone because they throw the ball away. You obviously want them. I'm okay with a subpar 50% completion percentage in the red zone as long as I see zero interceptions, you know, because that means he's taking care of the ball in the red zone. But to have a 66% completion percentage and then have the 19 touchdowns with the zero interceptions, it's absurd. It it's it it blows my mind. And I told you about this 11 of 13 on first and goal, 11 of 13, so that's an 85% completion percentage, 50 passing yards, who cares? Eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. So on first and goal, 11 of his passes, or eight of his 11 completions on first and goal went for touchdowns. This guy just had the stats that just keep on, like there's so many stats we could talk about until we're, he only had one game last year that he had less than 68% completion percentage, and it was the game against Oregon. And that's that's crazy. One game all year, and it had like a 50-some percent completion percentage, which it was a rough game because, and that's what I'll talk about here in a few minutes, but he has so much good to see in the red zone outside. The, you know, he has work. But the thing that, that that's the difference here, and, and that we, we've highlighted a couple times here, is we're talking about a freshman quarterback. We still have two full seasons of Slavis to watch him improve on certain things throughout the football field. But I also said this off the air to you, Stoops. Nine interceptions and almost 400 pass attempts is not that bad either. Yeah, for sure. And to, to go back a little bit, you talked about the first and goal. So I went through and I told you off the air, but I basically combined the first and goal, second and goal, and third and goal stats. 19 to 27, uh, 70.4 completion percent, 97 passing yards, 13 passing touchdowns. 13 of the 19 completions went for a touchdown. So I, that, it's just his numbers across the board, right? He He has the making to be one of those if not like you've even said those top quarterbacks i'm not ready to put him necessarily as you know the number two overall debbie quarterback but i don't fault you for doing it right you, you see it right it's there so you're taking that chance now and you're you're putting them there and, and either it's going to pay off or it's not and it is what it is one way or the other it doesn't matter but you look at the numbers you look at the game film and it's there right it's it's there this is going to be a big big season for him um as far as seeing what he can improve upon and i, I think man it's he's going to improve in some areas and like you said there's some things that he definitely needs to improve every freshman quarterback does right, right you know exactly. it's, it's just one of those things yeah and see looking at it okay so i, I broke it down to stats a little bit more okay so obviously the the bad here there there is there's some stuff these but the if you listen to the podcast and i keep on mentioning joe burrow i just a uh, bad reason to keep mentioning him but if you 
listen to what I said about the bad about Joe Burrow is the same thing that I'll say bad about Slavis, right? So throw the ball away, please, and thank you. <laughs> Um, sometimes he does hang on to the ball once he gets out of the pocket. It's either throw the ball away or or go run for that first down. There were several times where he ended up completing a pass where he was very elusive out of the pocket, and he completed the pass, and it was like, okay, that was fine. But you also, if you wouldn't have had... Um, if you wouldn't, if you would have just thrown the ball away, or you know, ran for a first down, he could have ran for the first down there, or thrown it away. I would have been just as happy there. You know what I mean? He could have ran for five or six yards and slid for a first down. Another another key point of of watching him. Please start sliding, please. I, I would like to talk about you for two more years, so don't get killed on the field. Um, a few things and notes. Obviously, we talked about the nine interceptions. Okay, so nine interceptions in ten games of starting. Actually, I'm sorry, eight interceptions in in ten games of starting. He threw one interception in a, the game against Fresno State. He was six of eight in that game for 57 yards, and he threw a pick. So if you're looking at the games he started, he threw eight interceptions. Okay, now six of the eight, six of his interceptions came in two games. Of course, the two two bigger losses of the season, one against Oregon and one one against early in the season against BYU. So now we're down to eight starting games where he was the was the full time quarterback. He only threw um, he only threw three interceptions in those eight games. Now I'm not taking away the six that he threw. I'm just stating that he had shown very starting to get more comfortable as the season progressed. In games 9, 10, 11 and 12, he threw one interception and actually over the last 3 games of his over the last 3 games of last season, he had over 1170 yards, 1180 yards and 10 touchdowns and zero interceptions. So as the season progressed, he got a little bit better with his patience in the pocket and not making the mistakes. They're still there, but again, Slavis is a freshman. I can't believe that when I watched this tape that I was watching a freshman. Stoops, we were not watching a freshman. We weren't. I'm sorry. This kid is unbelievable. And one of the first things that I noticed, I was like, oh, three-star prospect, freshman. All right, let's see what he had. 30 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Sounds good, but let's look at the tape. And he did, and he does benefit from some really good receivers. He does have two going into the season with St. Brown and Vons. I had both those guys in my top 10 uh, heading into the season for the 2021 class. He has some good tools. But if you mix them all together, it's going to be a dynamic powerhouse of which, again, Oregon's taking a step back this year without Herbert. You know, if USC can get it together, I really could see USC making a run at this, at the, you know, the college playoff this year. I agree. And the the thing is this, like, we talk about it all the time, you know, there are certain programs around the country, as long as they're winning, they're going to get that bump. Right. And to me, USC has that that caliber of a, of a name, right? They have that push behind them. If they're not winning games, then obviously there's nothing they can do, right? But if they're going in and they're 6-0, and right, I'd be shocked if they weren't close to a top-10 team ranked-wise because they're USC, right? Is it fair? No, not necessarily. But when you're in a conference that does have at least, you know, potentially two, three other ranked opponents in the top 25 in some fashion – it kind of helps your case, right? So you're in a little bit tougher of a conference. Um, you're able to do that in your winning. So I think, like you're saying, if USC puts it all together, this this is going to be a team to really look out for. Um, I, I think he's going to take a step. Keaton's going to take a step. And then obviously having Vons back, um, St. Brown, I think that's just going to help him more than anything. 
Um, we saw the chemistry they had last year. So, I mean, we're talking about a, uh, not not quite a full year, right, but uh, a, enough of a year to to build that chemistry and continue it on to the season. So definitely a team to to keep an eye on. And, and a lot of people are probably going to be a little worried to play, to, to play this season. I know their recruiting class wasn't that great. If I remember, they were actually dead last in the Pac-12 for recruiting. Um, so that's not a good thing. But they've got enough pieces there. Um that there's really no excuse to be completely honest with you. There's really no excuse to why they, they shouldn't be a top team in the country. Um, they, they just got to get it together. I agree hundred percent. All right, folks, do us a favor, head on over to expandtheboxscore.com to utilize the tool that we use each and every week to pull our stats from, uh, head on over to Twitter, give Stoops a follow at Stoops1990, give myself a follow at Ricky Valera underscore, give the show a follow at the Debbie Delight. If there's any guy in any conference coming up that you guys want us to cover, Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, and we will cover that guy on one of the future episodes. And as always, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys later. See you later.